Gary and Janet. Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. I am really glad to be with you this morning as we start a new series called With. This will be our Advent series. Um, and, and the setup is simply this, that Christ moves into the darkest spaces to bring his light, his peace, his joy, his hope. And so for the month ahead, it will all be about Jesus, where we will focus on the good news with us. And also, you know, kind of dealing with the fact that for many of us, there's a struggle to see Christ at times, and for maybe for some even present in the room, that there's a, an absence of joy. I get the good news to talk about God with us, and I just will say, before we pray and launch into the message, uh, if you were absent the last couple of weeks or visiting, the last two weeks have been really powerful weeks as we concluded a very significant series for us called Portraits. And in the series, we kept talking about distortions of who Christ is in culture and the truth of who Jesus is to shine through that. Uh, it's often said in the church, we don't make space to talk around mental health. And so last week, uh, Heather and I shared on anxiety and despair and depression. It was a very powerful word. The week before that, we talked about grief and the fact that God doesn't uh, give us a free pass around grief, but promises his presence within that. So uh, those are messages that exist both on our app and our website. And in fact, that message two weeks ago, the grief message of Christ promises presence in every situation, actually through a mishap was destroyed. The recording that Sunday morning was destroyed. But I was so uh, committed to getting that, that content to you, I recorded it at a, at a room at, at Bethany last week and then recorded the whole thing, did the grief sermon again, and then got to the very end, and the sound engineer said, well, bad news, uh, that sound file was destroyed too. So then I delivered it a third time, and I'm like, God, why are you tormenting me? Like, over and over and over, you know. Uh, the point of the matter is that we want you to be resourced, so those, uh, all of our messages live on both our app and our website, resources for you, um, and that's part of the human experience for sure. We will grieve. We will suffer. We will go through periods of anxiety, despair, depression. The scriptures are full of that. And we are commanded to have joy because of who Jesus is. So today I'm excited to prepare uh, and share this message with you. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for these moments at hand. We pray that you'd open the scriptures and open our lives to the truth that you're a God with us. Lord Jesus, may our encounter with you, the reminder of your radical grace, and the promise of your joy within us, bursting out of us, God, may it be good news in this Advent season. We love you. Thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, amen. Today's message is called Burst Forth, and it is a message on joy. Turn to somebody on your left and right and say, I'm ready to hear about joy. Just look them in the eyes, say, I'm ready to hear about joy. Bursting forth, John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. This is the, this is the most glorious thing, God with us. And this idea of dwelling in the ancient Greek was this word, which means to dwell among, to, to set up camp among, to literally tent with, and it had me thinking about camping. Because for me, I worked every summer my whole life until this summer when our church sent me on sabbatical and I had time to just be with my family. And so, you know, one of the things I dreamed about was taking my kids on a backpacking trip. My oldest was at Young Life Camp with leaders who loved her, but my youngest three, we went backpacking. Heather had to stay home and work. She wasn't on sabbatical, but packed up my three kids and we headed to the mountains. We had, you know, 
I had like 50 pounds on my back. Each of the kids had their food and their water. We had, we, it was only eight miles. Kendall Pe- Peaks Lake, someone who knows a lot about hiking, said, you might want to go shorter on the first overnight backpack trip. I was having none of it. The six-year-old, he can carry his own weight. We're going to go up this mountain together. And, and you know, as the one mile became two miles, became three miles, not only do I have my 50 pounds of pack, that whole like ultralight backpacking stuff, not for this guy. My gear's all like circa 1990. And as we get like mile two, mile three up this mountain, I have my pack and then I have the nine-year-old's pack in one arm, the seven-year-old's pack in the other hand. And I am like this pack mule hiking up this mountain. Like this was supposed to be fun. This picture was at the beginning of the trip, not at the end of the trip. We looked so joyful at the beginning. And it had me thinking, like for some of us, this is Christmas. This is the Advent season. It's a trip we think will bring us so much joy. We have such expectation. But somewhere along the lines, we get loaded down. We get stuff heaped upon us. It's all good things, to quote the snowman in Frozen, all good things, all good, like, it's good things that we're carrying up the mountain. You know, it's just, it's stuff with our kids or it's stuff with friends. It's gift giving and and receiving and shopping. It's special services. Like, before we know it, if, if you're like me, and I know you are, you can feel heavy loaded. You could be like, man, I was set off for joy, and I just feel way down. This message today is meant to remind us that God is a God not just for us. He's a God with us. He came to dwell with us, to, to tent with us, to tabernacle with us. And when Jesus showed up, the world changed. It meant we weren't alone anymore. Look at verse 12 of John 1. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. And so this is the essence. This is our hope today, that Christ would be real to us and that that truth would burst out of us in songs of joy, real joy. Now, I will tell you, and you guys know my story, so I think you can hold this with me, but sometimes I honestly feel like, at Bethany, I feel like we've made a home with talking about difficult subjects, but sometimes we don't preach about joy enough. I certainly felt convicted prepping this. I should be talking about God's joy more. We can kind of get a dour sense sometimes because of the darkness of the world. One of the great orators of Christian tradition who now, you know, kind of is called upon to like teach people how to preach this, Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon was training a group of young seminary students on the art of sermon delivery. And he said this, he says, when you speak of heaven, let your face light up with a heavenly gleam. Let your eyes shine with reflected glory. And when you speak of hell, well, then your usual face will do. Like, wow, that's, that's kind of convicting, I'm afraid, at times, right? And if we're honest, sometimes as Christians in the church, like our hearts break for some of the darkness in the world, and we've spent some time here in the last couple of months kind of looking at that. But as Christians, we're meant to be transformed by God's joy, by God's grace. And that not, not Pollyanna and not in denial, we're not, you know, setting up camp outside of the, of the real world and kind of, you know, this gospel that means we'll never hurt. No, no, we've, we've done away with all that false theology. 
But the truth of the incarnation is it's meant to spark joy in us. Good news. With us, our joy, his strength. And so our big idea today is that through experiencing Christ with us and experiencing his, his grace, that that gro- grace will become joy. That his grace would become our joy. And I just say, I may say it again further in this message, but if joy feels far to you this morning, you're not alone. Thank you for being here. Please don't feel ostracized by a promise of joy. And I think if you stay with us, you're going to recognize that joy isn't something we earn. It's something that he gives. So let's look here at the beginning. Where we begin here in this Advent season is a call to experience Jesus. Experience Jesus. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And you Bible students, you brought your Bibles. We can look at all of verse 1 through uh, chapter 1 of John. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. The Word was God. This is where our Trinitarian theology comes from, that Jesus is not only God's Son, He's God Himself, pre-eternal. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has not been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. This is where, as Christians in the church, we can say, oh no, the Bible says there will be darkness, but we also have a greater hope that the light continues to shine. And it is often the darkest times where we start to doubt that the light will overcome. The promise of Scripture is the light will not be overcome. It's interesting in John, if you read John, very different than the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's no pregnancy scenes. There's no wise men. There's no magi. There's no animals. John just gets right into it. In the beginning was the Word. He's like, we're going to just talk about Jesus And we're going to be laser-focused that this is the incarnational message. This is the point, the essence of Advent. John 17, Jesus would say, My glory is that you have given me, God, because you love me before the creation of the world. I was with God in the beginning. I am God myself. And so as Christians, we need to learn to see Jesus. We need space to experience Jesus, who is actually longing to dwell with us. I'm already kind of pointing to it, but I'll I'll look again at this word dwelling that we translate in in verse 14. In the ancient Greek, uh, skineo is is to dwell upon, to tent, to encamp, to occupy, to reside. All this is what the incarnation means, is that it's a symbol of protection and communion to be with. So this is the kind of foundation for our series, that, that, that God came to be with us. The challenge is for some of us, like we've lost our waypoint of identity and we've forgotten that we are people that have been created to be with him. We we form our identity by the world, by what the world says about us, or maybe by by what a primary attachment person says about us, or our relationships, or our social media. This is is called, for the last hundred years, there's been this... um, kind of sociologist study about the looking glass self. This was originated by a sociologist, Charles Cooley, in 1902, but the looking glass self essentially says that how one views oneself and acts heavily depends on what that individual believes other people think of them. Basically, my identity is only by how other people view me. This is the looking glass self. Now, this takes kind of a, a more drastic and, and serious turn in our 
in our culture of social media. Cyber psychologist, I didn't know it was a thing, now I do. Cyber psychologist Mary Aiken says that technology has created not just a, an identity with technology, but a cyber self. And so she writes that selfies, when we take pictures of ourselves, like I just showed you, picture me hiking up a mountain, it didn't happen unless we've got a selfie to prove it. But she says, Mary Aiken does, of this looking glass self, selfies ask this question of their audience, do you like me like this? Are you for me like this? Are you with me? And this Advent season, I just want to challenge us as a church, uh, certainly from the inside out, starting with my own heart, is my identity forged by who my family says I am, by who my friends say I am, by who culture says I am, or my job, or any place else we get our identity, or is my identity forged by Christ who came to be with me. And when we experience Christ in, in our each and everyday moments as we're carving out space in the busyness to sit in scriptures, to read the Advent devotional, to go to one of our special services, to listen to worship music, all these create space for us to experience Christ, to push back against the heavy load of the season, say, Jesus, I want to experience you again. Will you give me habits to see you again and again and again and again? May we be a church like that. And may we recognize Jesus came down for us. And when we do, we become recipients of an almost ridiculous grace. When we spend time with Jesus and when the scriptures start to soak in, the word became flesh in order to be with me. Man, it's, it's humbling. This God of the universe, of the cosmos, cares about me. That's what Isaiah 52, 7, this good news, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And as Christians, like when we are dwelling with this incarnational Jesus, this Jesus with us as a child, there's such surprise, there's such joy. In the Luke 2 version of, of Uh, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, incarnation. It says that Mary became great with child. We're in the study of withness, and I love that idea of great with child, and I was reflecting on when we went through our first pregnancy, we had actually, Heather and I had gone through months and months and months, felt like a year of infertility. Some of you in this room are in that journey right now, and you know how painful it is. And for those that are still in that space, may the Lord's presence be with you. We had the um, ridiculous grace after a season of infertility. Uh, I had been out running errands. Heather and I were leaving Southern California to move back to Seattle. She was wrapping up seminary. And I ran in the door, and she's like, look, it's a pregnancy test. She, and we had been looking at these for months because there's this little window depending on the test. This one's not been peed on, so it's okay to hold with you. The women in the room are like, uh-huh, and the men are like, huh, yeah, okay. Just. But we had been looking for months for good news. And when we saw it, I didn't have to try to figure out what I thought about it. I didn't wonder like, what other people would think about it. I just, when I saw the good news, man, I, I wept, I cried. I hugged my wife, I shouted to the neighbors, I called our family members. Like when you receive good news, 
We want to tell the world. This is, this is our story at a level way bigger than pregnancy tests because what the joy of incarnation is, is is a gift for all of us to step into. And even while we're nursing heartaches here on earth, there's a bigger truth that God is with us and for us. And that is meant to be this good news as we experience him. It all comes down to this surprising grace from the child. That's a segue that I want us as a church really in the month ahead to really dig into understanding more of grace because when you see good news, you recognize you've been given a great gift and that is called grace, that we have been recipients of a, of a gift from the Lord of his incarnation that we could never, we could never earn. John 1, 16 through 18 names Christ's incarnation as grace. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of the grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. That was a grace in and of itself. But grace and truth came through Christ. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. It's a grace, John is saying. It's amazing And so when we've seen something true and it makes us realize we don't deserve this kind of love, then we have two options. One is to become complacent to it, which means not really to see the grace in it at all. The other is to be ridiculously thankful because we've been given something we've never quite earned, to live into it. And when we practice gratitude for the grace given, it's receiving what God wants to give us. It is said, gratitude is the greatest sign of grace in God's people. And we don't, we don't talk enough about grace. I know I certainly don't. One of my favorite authors on the subject, Philip Yancey, says this, grace means there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do to make God love me less. It means that I, even I, who deserve the opposite, am invited to take my place at the table in God's family. You are in the family of God. And if you're like me, and you are, You don't deserve it, but he loves you anyway, and his grace covers you. And I'm sorry, I don't say that to you every single week. You are recipients of a radical grace because God's love for you is not predicated on your performance. It's predicated on his compassion. So as a church, in touch with the grace of God, aligning around the center point of the gospel, this good news, We just need to remind ourselves over and over that God is with us and we are loved. We are loved. And if there's time, I would just I would just go one by one to you and I would look you in the face and I would just say, You're loved. Because we forget and God wants to remind you, you're loved. Not because a pastor says so, or because the ridiculousness of you know, Christmas trees, whatever, but because of God's character covers you in grace. That coat drive that Pastor Raul kind of highlighted, I just, I'm always thankful. You're a generous congregation. You never fail to just bless people. And as your pastor, it means so much because I see it in you. You want to be a blessing in the world. I see it. Hey, we're collecting coats and you're like, we're in. 200, so many that everyone went home with coats and the extras got donated to. Beautiful. 
We have a team of volunteers that went and made all that happen. We partnered with a practicing church, a vineyard church that's also all about loving people on Aurora. It was wonderful. I was only there for a very short short time. But in my short time there, watching these volunteers set up a shopping aisle of all these coats, and then you're getting to try on coats. Meanwhile, other volunteers are serving them breakfast, homemade yogurt parfaits, and hot quiche, and, and the gratitude. It just looks like grace. It really does. It's amazing. I know many of you couldn't be there, but I just wanted you to know it was, it was beautiful. Many of you had a, a small part in that. At the end of it, I was just standing there watching as people were coming out, and it was like the good news, like they just were recipients of a great gift, and there was joy on their face. They weren't like, oh, last year's was warmer, or, you know, I wish it was gray. I mean, there was a few of those, but no, mostly people are just like joy, gratitude. And this one guy was standing there, and I'm just like, Hey, what's your story? Because there's no better entry point to somebody's story than a posture of grace. Oh, my story? Heroin, injury before that, prescription medication that ran out, all too common on the streets. I want to get clean. I'm here in the program on methadone replacement, but I want to get off this too. I don't want to be a slave to this stuff anymore. And I got to say, do you know the good news of Jesus Christ? There's a freedom when you're with hungry people to be bold. And we prayed together. I said, the strength that you desire to get off methadone in time can come from one place only, the God who wants to be with you. I don't know exactly how God will manifest in that relationship, but it was exciting to share grace with him. About an hour later, I'd gone back up to the junction. I was working on a sermon, and there's a knock on the door, and it's the guy. He's like, hey, do you have a business card? I'm like, I'll check. I don't ever use them, but I do here. Yeah, got one. He's like, I'm ready to change my life, and I think God would be the way that I would do that. Now, I don't know exactly how that story ends, but as a church in touch with this grace of Jesus Christ through experiences with him, and that's where the good news is, not our do-goodedness, but the God with us. And we're a church that's encountering this withness, this grace becomes joy. Because when you see Christ, it'll actually cause you in time to be bursting forth. Like this is where the accountability comes for me as I was studying this week is, wow, is joy bursting forth in me? Like, or am I been so overwhelmed with the darkness in the world, it's starting to overcome the light that Christ wants to shine through me. This is where the grace of God covers me again. Instead of sending me down into some spiral of shame, that's it, I'm not even good at joy. You know, it's like, no, it's grace, grace upon grace upon grace. One of my favorite authors on grace is Brendan Manning, who was a Franciscan monk who left the order, struggled with alcoholism, and wrote probably the best book on grace, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And he writes this about grace. He says, my message, unchanged for more than 50 years, is this. God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be because, get this, nobody is as they should be. Isn't that beautiful? It's the message of grace, a grace that pays the eager beaver who works all day long the same wages as the grinning drunk who shows up at 10 till 5, a grace that hikes up the robe and runs breakneck toward the prodigal, reeking of sin and wraps him up and decides to throw a party, no ifs, and or buts. This grace is indiscriminate compassion. It works without asking anything of us. 
Grace is sufficient even though we huff and puff with all our might to try to find something or someone it cannot cover. But grace is enough. Jesus is enough. And Manning would struggle with this message his entire life through alcoholism, through loneliness. In his memoir, right before he died, he says, if asked whether I'm finally letting God love me just as I am, I would answer no, but I'm trying. And so church, maybe our trying is killing us a little bit. Like we're trying and we're trying and we're trying and it feels like we're hiking up a mountain loaded down. We set off on a journey of joy and we've just missed it somehow. And I want to suggest to you that maybe grace is less like trying and more like falling. What do I mean? Have any of you ever bungee jumped in the room? Anyone been up to bungee zone in Nanaimo? None of you have bungee jumped. Thank you. Okay. The rest of you, field trip this spring. We'll get a couple buses. We'll drive up there. It's incredible. There's this bridge 140 feet up on Vancouver Island over a little river valley below. And no, someone asks, is that you, Scott? You look like washboard abs, not me, just a stock photo. (laughs) But I had bungee jumped a couple times. And man, you talk about joy. You talk about a thrill. Uh, We've done it a couple times years ago before we had kids, back when we were fun and, you know, adventurous and all this. But Heather and I went one time, and it was just empty midweek, and we used to spend a lot of time in Canada, and I love my Canadian friends. And so, you know, there's these guys working like, I did the jump, and Heather and I were taking pictures of each other, and we were high-fiving. She did it too. She's amazing. And we were just like so much joy. And the guy's like, hey, bro, you want to go again, eh? You know, and I'm like, sure. He's like, there's a discount, eh? And I'm like, all right. There's like only 40 bucks to jump a second time off the bridge. And that at the time was like $2.27 US, I swear. It was like nothing. So I was like, yes, I will do that. And uh, I'm kidding because I love my Canadian friends. But I went back up. I'm now on the bridge alone. Heather's down below. going to take a picture. The place is just about empty. And the guy's like, hey, you want a real rush? I was like, sure. As if bungee jumping's not rush enough. And he's like, go backwards. I'm like, Okay, so he's like, here's what we're going to do. There's like this little, uh, there's this little, you know, sheet of wood. He's like, you're going to go out to the end, and you're going to have your heels off the edge, 140-foot river below. He said, I'm going to tie a rope around your arm, and I'm going to lower you back. I'm like, sounds great. What could go wrong? So I'm on my toes here. I've got the bungee cord around my ankles, and he's lowering back. He's like, and I get to about 45 degrees back, like past the point of no return. He said, here's what's going to happen. There's a boat going beneath you. And once it gets past, and oh, and he lets go of the rope. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But you can't turn. So I did this, like, for the whole 20 seconds down. And then I realized there was no boat. And the the band caught me. And I look up, and this Canadian guy's like, stupid Americans. Oh, man. And I bounced, and I bounced, and it was joyful. I don't know if that's helpful, but (laughs) when we think about grace, I think, though, there's something as opposed to walking up this hill heavy loaded to falling into the safety of something else. I think that's more accurate when we think about God's grace. Can't earn it. We just receive it. And no, we're never qualified, but it always catches us always catches us, always does. God is for you. And this Christmas season, we want you as a church to be reminded that he's got you. 
that he sees you. In John 16, there's kind of this amazing passage about where our joy comes from. John 16, Jesus says, you will have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will have joy, and no one will take your joy away from you. Like, that's incredible. John 1, the word becomes flesh. John 16, oh, because we're going to see you. We're going to do the work. We're going to climb the hill. We're going to do the stuff. No, Jesus says, I will be the one who sees you, and that will cause joy. See, the world's joy is based on what they see. Firm foundations of money, firm foundations of relationship, firm foundations of you know, environmental safety, of political safety, but God's joy is different. His joy is what he has done, not what we can do. Isaiah 52.9, burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. That's the Old Testament prophecy that bursting joy is what will happen when we experience Christ. And Jesus says in John 17, I say these things, you'll have the full measure of joy within you. John 15, I've told you this so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. And so as one theologian said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. I find that really convicting. That we as a church are called to be bursting forth in a joy not predicated on our performance or on just the situations that are going around but on who God is, the God with us. And so though the fires burn in different environmental situations around the world, and though political situations are a mess, and though the people that we love hurt, and though anxiety crowds up within us, in the midst of all that we say, we won't be shaken. We're people of radical grace. God is with me. I will claim his joy. And you might say, I'm with you to this point, Scott. I I like it. You know, you can put on your your faux silk shirt. You can tell me stories of bungee jumping. But until you've walked a mile in my shoes, you don't really get it. You don't get it. And to that, I just want to say, friends, the joy that the Lord has for you is a gift for anyone and everyone. There's a story in the Old Testament where Nehemiah had been sold off to captivity. Babylon had had captured Israel. Jerusalem's a wreck. The temple's a wreck. God is distant. Things have never been so dark. And yet, Nehemiah gets a word about joy and about returning God's presence to Jerusalem. And this is captured in the book of Nehemiah and a bit in Ezra too. But it's amazing where joy comes from, not our earthly situations, but the the grace within by the incarnation. Nehemiah 8 points this, 8.12. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord God. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah, in the wreckage, in the confusion, in the halfway point to what they're doing kind of way, he's saying, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this strength word in Hebrew means shelter, safe place. So the joy of the Lord can cover you when it feels far from you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The strength of the Lord is your joy. It's not for you to earn. It's only for you to receive. And so may Christ's joy bring you strength in this season, that Christ is with you, and that you do not walk alone. Man, when I think about 
walking up that hill with all the packs and just kind of like, oh man, this is a little more difficult than I thought it was going to be. You know, we got to this place, we got to the end of the hike and we set up camp and my son sat for a while and fished in this little lake by Kendall Peaks and my daughter was journaling and this massive granite stone, like this is it. We built this huge fire. We cooked dinner and we sat there against the stone as the fire died down and every star in the cosmos, it felt like, shined over us. And do you know why I took the trip? I just wanted to be with them. I just wanted to be with them. You have a God who wants to be with you, who wants to spark joy in your life, bringing you to places of intimacy and connection with people around you because he's for you. May you be covered in his grace and filled with his joy in this season. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time and this space, and we open our hearts to what you want to say to us. And God, we pray you'd be especially present to those that joy feels very far right now. God, that you would be their joy, and that would become strength to them. And God, we stand in celebration for those that sit in our community right now that are in places of great joy this first day of Advent. God, we bring our whole hearts to you as your people. May you fill us and remind us that we're covered by your grace in order to display joy. For you are a God with us. And all God's people said, amen. This is Communion Sunday. And it's a perfect day to break the body and drink the blood and be reminded that God is with us and that that's where our joy comes from. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, broke it, said, this is my body, eat. And then he took the cup of the new covenant and he said, this is my blood poured out for, for many for forgiveness of sins. And so communion here at Bethany is, is open to anybody that wants to follow Jesus, anybody that wants to be covered by grace, anybody hungry for deeper joy. And for some of you, this might be a starting point. There might be somebody in this room that feels like I'm outside of God's story. And so in your heart, in these moments, you can just literally turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to be covered in that kind of grace. Will you make me part of the family too? And then come forward and receive the gift of communion. And what we've got, we'll have communion stations in the wings and in the front, and we'll move clockwise through the room. And we'd love you just to come forward for a little bit of the joy of the Lord. And just put your hands out. We want to serve you communion. It's all gluten-free bread. And you can dip it in the grape juice. And may it remind you, grace, joy, because he is with you. Let's pray for the elements now. Lord Jesus, thank you for this bread and this juice, which, Lord, we hope would just symbolize your body and your blood. God, we say yes to the divine invitation to be with you, and we we hope, God, that that would well up in us as joy as we experience you in this season. We love you so. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with us? And the communion stations are open on the sides and down front.